and welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason as we close out the 2020 year. And what a year it's been. And, you know, we take a look back at the year that just transpired and a lot of things happened for a lot of people, a lot of things that we did not expect. And oftentimes when the new year comes, we try to try to maybe put some of those things that we experienced, even the negative things, and bury them in the past year. And we look forward to the new year. A lot of times we have New Year's resolutions, things we want to change, and a lot of times that has to deal with going to the gym and eating better and you know physical things that we, we want to improve in our lives. Uh, a lot of things, too, that we like to bury in the past are maybe squabbles and fights that we've had because, you know, we want to go into the new year with a positive attitude, with a positive outlook, even though this year for some of us, depending on where you live, it's going to be hard to do because of uh, the, the government officials that keep locking us down and not giving us that opportunity to go into the new year with a, a clean slate. But, you know, we're trying to keep a positive thing. But also, too, one of the things that's hard to do is how do we deal with people that have wronged us? You know, I know a lot of people, especially if you've been on social media, have gotten into fights and arguments over politics, over masks, over COVID. So there's been a lot of uh, rift and division going on with social media and, and relationships falling apart uh, with the extensive lockdowns. We've had people who have uh, had social or uh, relational issues, you know, maybe spouses breaking up, divorce rates went up. Uh, we also had, you know, people just who weren't married, but maybe were in a relationship breaking up. So, you know, again, you have another example of division. And so you have all these things, and then you have just, you know, maybe maybe you helped somebody out one time because they were struggling, maybe loaned them some money or did something nice for them because they were out of a job or needed the assistance. And, you know, maybe there's an arrangement there, and you decided that that would be a good thing to move forward with and, and do the neighborly thing, and then they backstab you or they, you know, renege on their, on their promise to, you know, repay or whatever the case may be. And so we're going through the new year with a lot of this stuff that might be a little bit more burdensome and baggage than years past as we head into the new year. And that's what we're going to talk about. How do we deal with people and how do we deal with things and how can we go into the new year with a fresh, clean slate, but still maybe take care of some of the issues and deal with some of the things that happened to us in 2020, especially when it comes to people that have done us wrong. And, um, Again, that's what we're going to be talking about, and that's what sanctified reason is. You know, we take a look at the things of this world through a biblical perspective, and and when you look at things through a worldly perspective, oftentimes it can be confusing. It could get fuzzy. You know, when someone does us wrong, the first thing we think we should do is get revenge or or try to get evil back to them or make something or wish things would be bad for them or something bad would happen to them. Kind of like karma. You know, hey, bad karma. Karma is coming to get you. And so uh, I'm Son Edom, and joining me is Dan Delzell. Dan is an author at the christianpost.com a lot of his articles that he's written over the years are there you can just go to christianpost.com and google search or you know in the search bar and you can see a lot of his um articles and he's also a pastor at a church in uh, papillion nebraska and, and dan as we head into the you know the new year a lot of people are looking to the new year as salvation let's put 2020 behind us let's get into the new year and and let's hope for better things than what occurred but we're also going to have some baggage that we're carrying with us into the new year and that includes relationship problems people that have harmed us and and how do we deal with that and you know, how do we forgive? How do we not forget? Do we forget? And how do we go about doing all that? And so I thought that uh, as we were talking about it, that would be something that we could uh, discuss that might be helpful for a lot of people. Well, hi, Son. Yeah, it's just great to be back with you on Sanctified Reason. And hey, I'm really excited about the topic you've got here today, Son, because I know as a pastor, I know as a human being, um, how many times uh, conflict arises in relationships, you know, 
be it in marriage, be it in a family, be it in a church, be it in a work setting. And, you know, I'm sure many of the listeners have, have heard um, from time to time, son, somebody maybe say something like, well, you know, you didn't follow Matthew 18 on that, you know. Um, and, you know, there is no better approach than what Jesus gave us, son, in, in Matthew 18 in terms of how to um, meticulously deal with uh, this issue. You know, there's just very few verses here in uh, verses 15 to 17. It just simply, Jesus simply said, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother over. Okay, so that's the first part of it, son, and, and that's how it's intended to be dealt with between only two people. Um, and, and, and hopefully it can be dealt with there and not moved into that second level where then Jesus says, but if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And that, of course, son, is, is from the Old Testament practice. In fact, in Deuteronomy 19, 15, uh, this is how the Lord set it up so that uh, it, it couldn't just be one person, you know, kind of a he said, she said. Uh, type of a deal, but but if you have other witnesses there, then then um, let, let's bring them into the picture. And then the third uh, and final level there, if you will, is if he refuses to listen to them, meaning that that you know several people, uh, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now, now, son, I, I've been a pastor for uh, thirty years, and I know in my experience, and I think in the experience of many pastors. You know, beyond level one or maybe level two, it, it doesn't typically go any further than that. And, and I'll be honest with you, I mean, I'm kind of thankful in a way that I don't think I've ever been involved in a situation as a pastor where, you know, we, we've had a situation where we've had to basically just, you know, remove someone from the church. Um, you know, uh, actually, I, I think what probably happens in, in cases like, like that, son, is if uh, if someone say in a church uh, who is is uh, being confronted with something they've done wrong, and then maybe several people, maybe several of the church leaders address it. I mean, at, at that point, many times maybe the person is just you know gonna gonna bail or whatever. Um, but but on a practical level, for most of these conflicts, son, I think it's so insightful that, that our Lord teaches us, uh, especially among Christians. So I think the first application is in our Christian relationships and in our own, you know, local congregation, um, if somebody's done something that has hurt you or wronged you, um, the last thing you should do is start telling other people about it. Um, the last thing you should do is, is start putting something on social media about it. The last thing you should do is, is, is start gossiping about it. But you have a responsibility, even though you're the one that was hurt, okay? And this is just part of Christianity. It's why it's not easy to be a Christian, but one of the many reasons. Um, but you have a responsibility to go to that one person in love and let them know, you know, gently um, what they've done to sin against you, to hurt you, to wrong you. And, and the goal of their song is, is that then the two can, um, can be reconciled. And anyone who has the Holy Spirit living in them, son, is a Christian. And, and because of that, um, Christians by, by that nature, not by our human nature, but by the nature of uh, our new nature, by that supernatural nature, we are going to be inclined toward humbling ourselves 
um, before that, that, that person with the grievance that they brought us. That's one of the signs of, of a Christian is that there's a humility, a, a willingness to um, kind of like when Nathan confronted David of his sin, you know, uh, of his uh, adultery with Bathsheba and then putting her husband Uriah on the front line. So, I mean, adultery and murder. Um, but, but David had to be confronted. And, and then finally, you know, after he had let that thing play out and everything and, and, and gotten very deep into that sin, um, then, you know, finally he came to his senses. Uh, kind of like the prodigal son who, who came home, not because, you know, someone confronted him, but just because he started to feel guilty uh, over what he had done. Um, but, but this Matthew 18 son is just a brilliant plan from our Lord. And I'm sure as we talk about it today, I, I, I hope that people will just start to think through why it's so important to not, to not spread this to other people. Um, and even if, even if this person won't listen, and then maybe, you know, let's say it's in a family dynamic, like at Christmas or sometime, you know, and then you need to maybe bring in two or three others, but you do it as tactfully, as carefully as possible. So as to, uh, respect and protect the reputation of the one who, who committed the, uh, the offense. Um, it's, it's never, you know, God's goal to do like what the, uh, you know, what the Pharisees, they wanted to do that woman caught in adultery. They wanted to stone her. You know, they wanted to stone her, and, and Jesus is all about, you know, reconciliation, forgiveness, um, and then going and, and sinning no more, as he told her. So as we talked about this today, Son, I'm looking forward to just some of the implications of this, some of the application. What does it mean, then, for us as Christians um, to to put this into practice, and, and how much courage does it take? Because, you know... Not a lot of people, it doesn't seem, um, are, are very willing to do this. You know, you hear about people, son, who like, will say, hey, I, I hate confronting people. And that's just part of, I think, many people's nature. But, but here's a case where, where the Lord doesn't give us an option. You know, if you've been offended, if you've been hurt, in order for your heart to heal, for them to get the help they need, but, but for the two of you to be reconciled, this is a must. It's a requirement that God gives us so that we can get beyond the hurt, beyond the conflict, and not have it just blow up any more than it's already causing the damage between the two people. All right, let me throw in a little bit of a twist, if I may. So people talk about the New Testament, and it's Jesus talking to the church. And yeah. so, like you mentioned, your pastor, you're talking about the church, talking about people who might be Christians. But what about in the secular world? Okay, let's say as a Christian, someone in the secular world has done me wrong. Mm-hmm. And so, again, you know, I approach them. Uh, which is the first thing you should do no matter what, you know, no matter yeah. what the situation is, you should obviously go and approach the person because yeah. they might not know they've offended you. It could have been something mm-hmm. as simple as you get your feelings hurt because of a conversation that you guys had, and maybe they don't know mm-hmm. that you were offended. Okay, whatever. But so yeah. you obviously yeah. got to go talk to the person. Okay, but then maybe it doesn't pan out like it's supposed to, and so then, you know, where do we kind of go from there? Because eventually taking it to the yeah. church is irrelevant, kind of, because yeah. the person yeah. oh, yeah. who offended yeah. you doesn't care what the church says. Right. You know, they're like, whatever. No, no, that, that, that's right, son. So, and the, yeah, and no, a- absolutely, absolutely, son. Well, you know, it, it's interesting here in this, in this uh, uh, passage in Matthew 18, you know, the Lord said, if your brother sins against you, and then when you see the way it plays out there, and then possibly even involving the church at the later stages there, I, I think it's very clear there, Son, that the Lord is giving a prescription to believers on how to handle conflict among believers, hurt among believers, offenses among believers, okay? Um, and, and it takes sanctified reason 
And then just obedience and the power of the Holy Spirit and courage, courageous love, um, you know, to confront the person gently. You know, the Bible says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself. Or you too may be tempted, you know. And, and, and so um, if someone has, if a believer has sinned against you, then it's our responsibility to let them know about it. Especially, I would say, son, if it's going to be somebody that we're going to be having any sort of ongoing interaction with. I mean, you know, there, there could, of course, be exceptions to this. And, and I mean, you know, you, you don't want to, you know, take it to the point where it's like, well, you know, this was somebody that, you know, I met, you know, uh, we, we both were stopping to get gas on, on the highway and, you know, we were talking about this thing here. We learned we were Christians, and this person said something that bothered me. And now, how do I get a hold of them? You know, I mean, so we're not talking about you know maybe every single time it happens, but but when it happens among believers, and then and then to go to your point, son, in the case of what about like in the secular world, um, there, um, you know, we know that people who don't have the Holy Spirit in them um, are not going to be having the benefit of sanctified reason, the insight of the Holy Spirit, that doesn't mean there are plenty of unbelievers who are very gracious in their relationships with others and very willing to, to say they're sorry and this sort of a thing. But I would say the application there is different. I, I don't think we have the same um, responsibility in some of those cases, but, but let's just take like a company, for example. Um, I mean, it only makes sense that if you're working together, um, I mean, even, even if that person's not a believer, uh, and you certainly want to be a good witness to them, but I, I guess maybe the principle is, son, that we don't heal the hurts or the wounds by just sweeping them under the rug and, and ignoring them. Um, but I guess it just it depends on a case by case basis because you know let, let's just say there's somebody in the office who's a bully and somebody who has shown that they have no interest or concern what other people think, and they've shown that they don't care if they get reprimanded or, or challenged by others. I mean. There would be wisdom in some of those cases to just not even to just avoid that person because you know they're they're, they're very toxic. You know, let's say um, you know they they they're very capable of just uh, letting it blow up even further. And and so it, it takes wisdom in those situations. I would say to know which ones maybe to address, um, and, and then to do. But but then to still apply the same sorts of doing it with gentleness, doing it with love, with lots of prayer. You know, before you do it. Um, but, but I think Matthew 18 is really speaking to Christian to Christian, you know, husband, wife, wife, husband, um, you know, folks in a church, uh, you know, believers who are, um, you know, maybe they're from different churches or congregations, but they, uh, they had a conflict, you know, how do we do it in a way that doesn't just air out all that dirty laundry for, for more people that don't need to be involved with it. It won't help them any. Um, it, it, they may be very weak in their faith. They're very unable to handle it. So I think the Lord's given us a plan here uh, whereby we can try to keep it um, as private and as personal between the two parties as possible. But when a, a believer now won't respond to a grievance being brought to them, sometimes then it does take um, bringing, you know, two or three others and saying, hey, you know, almost like, you know, like an intervention, really, son. It takes, you know, if the one-on-one -on -one intervention doesn't work, then maybe several people. And then, like I say, although I've never been involved with this myself, um, you know, uh, the Bible gives us a plan what to do if somebody just refuses. You know, they, they just refuse. I mean, let's just, let's just say, for example, son, you had a leader in a church or a choir member or whatever, a youth leader, whatever. 
And, and that person highly offended someone. And they did something that was just flat out wrong. And so that person went to them and, and, and no, they wouldn't listen to him. No, I'm not going to. And then they brought several others, including, let's say, a, a couple of leaders or whatever, people who are very wise in the church. Uh, no, no, to, uh, yeah, that's their fault. You know, I mean, there could be situations where then you have to involve even more. But um, I heard a great message uh, the other night from uh, Skip Heitzig, who's the pastor of Calvary Chapel in uh, Al- Albuquerque on this very message, on this very topic. And, and like, like the thing he said, son, like in their church where they have multiple services and, you know, Saturday night and Sunday morning, he said, you know, be very impractical for them to ever like, you know, you know, take a situation, you know, there to every uh, weekend worship service. But he said they have had situations where they've had to, you know, bring in, you know, a good number of their leaders. And that's kind of how then they apply, you know, that, that, that would be like taking it to the congregation where maybe you have an even larger number of people there in their case that, that they needed to take it to. So it does have these different levels of intervention, but, but, the, but hopefully, son, and prayerfully, most Christians can get it resolved on that, on that level one where you go gently to the person who has sinned against you, and, um, and maybe you'll find out in the process that you've sinned against them too, you know? And so it can be, we, we all have to be humble in this and, and, and realize that, um, you know, God, God is a peacemaker. God wants reconciliation. And it's not our mission to ever condemn a brother or, or an unbeliever. You know, we, we want to we reach lost people and we want to heal broken relationships. Well, that's what I was going to bring up. The point was that sometimes, even if we're dealing with people that might not be believers, we still follow these, you know, examples or these words that are spoken in the Bible because, one, it helps us to be a witness, but then, two, it also yeah. gives us guidance because, for example— I know somebody that was uh, kind of confiding in me, wanting to find out some information. And I, I don't know where they stand necessarily as far as their beliefs, yeah. but, um, you know, good people. But, you know, they apparently had loaned someone some money who then was promised to pay it back. And when the time came, per the agreement, the other person was just ignoring the requests yeah. or responses. Wasn't even, you know, talking to the person about it, you know, just completely ignoring it. Yeah. And again, and then of course, this is where kind of like that vengeance idea comes in or that, right. you know, Hey, what, what can I do? You know, I hope bad things happen to them, whatever. And it's like, right. okay, wait a minute. If you follow these principles here, you stay in the right. And plus it's not going to drag you down and you're not going to be festering inside of you all these negative and hateful feelings and yeah. stuff because then it becomes to eat you alive you know it's kind of like the yeah. precious and lord of the wing uh, lord of the rings you know where where yeah. you sit there and, and yeah. you want this thing and it starts to you know destroy you and so when you follow these things you know then it keeps us in in our right frame and keeps our spirit and keeps us focused on because yeah okay so if they don't do it and of course it's it's hard to do that because take it a step further you know take take a step of you know we got a new district attorney here in Los Angeles and mm-hmm. he's very, becoming very pro criminal it's almost like he's there to defend the criminal and so there was yeah. a a recent uh, story i read where um there was a murderer that he was going to let go or not press charges mm-hmm. with or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the family's just like outraged of the victims. It's like, how can you do that? How can you as a district attorney, your job is to prosecute criminals. And now you're looking yeah. for ways to let criminals off the, off the hook from these charges. Yeah. And so, but yeah. as a family member, if somebody kills one of my family, members, it's going to be hard for me to forgive. You know, it's right. going to be hard for me to to have any type of anything for right. somebody that right. does that, you know, because that's the worst thing possible. But then yeah. we take it a step further. We look at Jesus going to the cross. You know, he was killed for no reason whatsoever. 
You know, he had no reason except to take on the sins of the world to be crucified on the cross in the gruesome manner in which he was. And so nobody has done anything worse to us than what they did to Jesus. And so there again, for me, it's like personally, it's another example of, okay, things might happen to us and we might try to forgive and we might struggle with that forgiveness and, and depending on the situation. But then ultimately, you know, God calls us to forgive. But if we do forgive, then we're going to be better off in our spirit because it's not going to be festering with us. It's not going to become our precious and turn us into some schmeagle. Two, yeah. Jesus died on the cross and he did nothing. He voluntarily did that, you know, obviously, right. but, but, he, but right. he did nothing, you know. And then he says to the, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that just might be simply the case, which is hard to swallow because I've had to swallow that a few times, you know, and be like, wow, you know, people have done something wrong to me and there's just no resolution to it. But, you know, yeah. they will have to answer for that one day. But, you know, I need to move on because it's easier and better for me. And then I'm an example for somebody else. So if somebody else comes along and says, hey, what happened in that in that situation? You know, so, mm-hmm. for example, using my original analogy of, you know, maybe down the road, you know, hey, did they ever pay you back? No, they didn't. Okay, well, then what happened? Well, you know what? I've just moved on. Uh, but then I was able to give that advice to somebody else, and it helped them, and it helped them, and it helped them kind of like the old Pert commercial, Pert shampoo, right. and so on, and so on, and so on, and you're having a positive influence on people. Um, it's not yeah. easy. You know, we got to remember that those, those things aren't easy. And sometimes those relationships no. might not be mended. Um, you know, they're, right. they're going to be, they're going to be done forever, whether it's family, whether it's something else, you're right. not going to mend the relationship, right. but you're still dealing with your inner self and with your yeah. inner being and how we handle that. And I think that's one of the keys that I'm starting to see with people is that, you know what, your resolution might not come between you and the person that offended you, but the right. resolution might come within you. And that's going to make you feel better. That's going to make you be better. That's going to make you and your spirit be okay. And then you, you know, and then you go from there. But yeah, relationships might not be mended, but it's just a hard thing because there's so many, I mean, there's so many people on social media. Just use the example, like you said, social media, taking it to social media. There's been a lot of people that have fractured relationships on social media. I know there's a lot of people that I lost as friends on social media. Um, there's a lot of people that I don't talk to anymore because of the div- the great divide that we had in 2020 over politics or masks or whatever. Um, you know, and, and, you know, should we go back and mend all those? Well, I don't know. I mean, some of those people, to be honest, I didn't even know. You know, we just connected on social media, and so I'm not going to go right. track them down. But, you know, maybe others, right. it's time to consider, okay, we were, you know, friends for a number of years, and now we had this divide because of the – you know, right. ideology, maybe consider that. I don't know. Um, but it's, but it's yeah. definitely something to think about as we go into the new year, because again, there are a lot of things that people are going to be carrying with us. And when you take that burden off of having to deal with the lack of forgiveness, because someone told me one time too, that forgiveness isn't necessary, isn't always just about the other person. It's about yourself. You know, forgiving is kind of an act where, you know, we can then, take whatever someone did to us, set it aside. And even though we might not get any um, resolution from it and they don't apologize and they don't say they're sorry and they don't, you know, correct the, the wrong that they did. But we just, by forgiving them are now putting that aside, giving it to God and being like, you know what? I'm not going to dwell on this anymore because I'm not going to let Satan use that to attack me. Another you know tool in his arsenal. I'm going to put it aside, and then God will eventually, you know, I would think reward you in that He's going to take that negative stuff away from you and yeah. kind of renew you, so to speak. 
you, you know, Son, two words that you use there, and, and then you fleshed out what those words look like also, um, you know, bitter and better. And, and I think it was very well said because this is what most conflicts tend to produce in us. They tend to either make us bitter because we hang on to it. We choose not to forgive and to hold a grudge. You know, we, we, we plant these seeds of anger in the ground. We water them by thinking about it, refusing to forgive, dwelling on the pain, the hurt, how wrong it was. And before we know it, son, this, this tree of resentment is starting to grow in our hearts. And, and there's only one kind of fruit that tree can produce on. It's the fruit of bitterness. So, you know, bitterness uh, to be something that develops after we've been holding a grudge for a while, after we've made repeated choices to hang on to it rather than to forgive, rather than getting better, uh, we get bitter. And no wonder in, uh, in the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul wrote, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And and you touched on that as well, Son, you know, what our Lord went through. um, And yet, look at, he was the perfect one. We are guilty of sin against God. And, and our calling is to be a people who forgive others, just as Christ forgave us. And, and so when we choose to hold a grudge, son, we were acting like um, somehow we, we deserve God's forgiveness. Somehow we're perfect. Somehow it's fine for God to forgive me, okay, for my grievances, for my sins, for my, uh, you know, for, for my transgressions, I should say, my transgressions and my sins and, and uh um, and, and I, I'm not going to expect God to have any grievance with me, you know, uh, because he's God and he, you know, he'll get over it, but, but I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to behave the same way toward others. And that's just not the love that Christ puts in our heart. That that's more the, the natural response. Um, you know, no sanctified reason is involved there. No, no, uh, love that surpasses knowledge is involved there. It's just more human, uh, raw emotion, anger, you know, turning into bitterness. So I thought you said that very well, but, um, you know, ultimately we are going to get bitter or better. And, and what I like to tell people too, son, is if, when, when someone, not if, but when someone wrongs you, uh, be it in your family and church, somewhere else, um, one of the best things I think we can do is what Jesus taught us to do when he said, uh, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Because when we pray for the one who's wronged us, son, that, that's a choice. And it's very hard to do. Uh, very hard with our free will to choose to pray for the one who wronged us. But it's the only way to see that that hard rock of anger in our heart start to get broken up. Um, because when we start to hold a grudge, that thing starts to get harder and harder within us. Um, and it can turn a whole heart hard. I mean, there are many hard-hearted people who have chosen over and over again not to forgive somebody who's wronged them. And, and, and you know, in many cases, they went through terrible situations. It was very wrong what was done to them. But this is where we need Christ more than ever. Um, and, and we need his forgiveness in our hearts. We need to ask him to help us to forgive. But, but I think even when we don't feel like praying for them, son, what a perfect time uh, to start praying. Lord, you know, bless that person. Help that person to come to their senses. Help them to repent of their sins, Lord. Um, don't hold this against them, Lord. Um, 
And, uh, you know, God can, you know, work all of this out, you know, and, uh, you know, but it's not ours to uh, avenge. Uh, it's not ours to show revenge. It's not ours to hold the grudge. And that's hard. That's very hard. And um, in some cases, it, it almost seems impossible, doesn't it? You know, but but uh, with God, nothing is impossible. And as you say, we're into a new year now, and uh, there'll be conflicts in 2021, just like there were in 2020. And we're going to need to apply these uh, these biblical these biblical models, and, and we're going to need to follow the Lord's our Lord's words if we're going to you know, have any hopes on of getting through the conflict without a bitter heart without just being angry, mean-spirited, you know, and, and holding grudges. Uh, we, we need Christ because by, by nature, um, our natural response to, to such things is, is not going to get it done. The other thing, too, is through our example, we might represent or we might demonstrate God's love toward them, and they might, you know, start to wonder, hey, why is this different? All my other friends hold grudges or all my other people in my life. They do a certain thing, but this person's acting differently toward me. Why is that? And you never know. It might start something that God could use, like you said, to ultimately draw that person closer to him. You know, we've been talking um, politics the last few weeks. It's been exciting. I mean, it's, I don't know if exciting is the word, but it's kind of scary. It's kind of everything. But it's kind of exhilarating and and discouraging and all all the above, you know? But here's the thing, okay? The, The Democratic people... You know, part of the Democratic Party, you know, they let's just be honest. And if you're honest, you will agree that there's a lot of vitriol that's been going back and forth. OK, yeah. a lot of it from the side of the Democrats, because the Republicans have been in office. And so, you know, there's been right. a lot of, you know, negatives being cast towards one side. And so now, supposedly, it looks as if the Democrats are going to be in office. And and now they're, t- they're starting to talk about coming together. You know, hey, we need to unify. We need to forget about that, you know. And it's almost like a slap in the face to anybody who has any amount of decency because, you know, the way they're going about it is all wrong. I mean, that's to me, that's the perfect example of not how to do it. Because if Nancy Pelosi wants unity, she needs to, you know, apologize to pretty much three-quarters of the country for her behavior and for the things she said. I mean, you know, think about Hillary Clinton calling, you know, people deplorable and then just what we're supposed to forget about that or other names, you know, and stuff like that. And so even there, an example could be, of what not to do, or if they really wanted unity, is to then come out and confess what you've done. And that's what I think the other right. flip side of forgiveness is, is that if we've wronged somebody, then maybe we need yeah. to take the steps to go and apologize and be like, you know what? Right. Um, I did something wrong, and I want to apologize for that. You know, uh, yeah. there was an Adam Sandler movie that I remember uh, watching. It was it was one of his his movies, not the best, so I'm not going to really mention it because I don't yeah. want to give out yeah. a uh, recommendation to something that's kind of a dumb sure. movie. But the, but there was a point in there where he kind of bullied some people along the way, and he started to go back and call people up and apologize for it. Oh, and yeah. now in the movie, yeah. um, you know, the the guy had a hit list of all the people that did him wrong, and then when Adam mm-hmm. Sandler called and apologized. Uh, he crossed his name off the hit list, you know. But anyways, the point being oh, yeah. is that, yeah. you know, it does. There was some resonance there because it does matter. You know, oftentimes we might not have that effect. We might not know what our actions have done to somebody else. And then That's we don't right. know how much even greater our actions could impact somebody if we went and we apologized to somebody else for things that we've done. Because, again, just as people offend us, we're going to offend other people. You know, that's right. And that's one thing that I kind of learned through social media, too, is not to be so quick on the trigger 
um, even though sometimes it's fun, uh, not to be so quick on the trigger when it comes to implementing chaos on social media when it comes to the differences in ideology because, you know, what kind of impact are we having on somebody, you know, even through social media? And so then I've had to go back and be like, okay, you know, I apologize. I probably jumped on you too much or too quickly, not listening to your point, you know, not engaged conversation. And then other times, you know, it's like, well, you know, I don't really know who they are. It's they're strangers and, you know, maybe it's okay. I don't know. You know, it's still probably wrong. Right. But again, you know, right. taking the, uh, the initial steps to apologize for what we've done, because again, ultimately it comes down to that we need to treat others like they, tr- that, like we want to be treated. So if we want That's somebody right. to do us wrong or who has done us wrong to, you know, kind of repent, so to speak, then we want to be able to do that to other people and be able to have the humility to do that because we also, not only do we have to forgive those that offend us, but we need to be forgiven or at least ask for it for people of that we've offended because it goes both ways, you know, and that's why Jesus came to die on the cross for us is to forgive us from our sins. And then he goes on, you know, to say, you know, that story, how many times should we forgive our neighbor? 70 times seven. And, you know, uh, I mean, seven times seven, and Jesus is like, no, 70 times seven. And it's not a mathematical right. equation. 490 is not the magic answer. Yeah, exactly. It's like every time you offend, you know, you yeah. should forgive. There's no, you know, yeah. excuse in there. Yeah. Uh, there's no example of when not to forgive. You know, there's no example right. that God gives us in the Bible that says you should not forgive because that's what we're called to do. Right. Yeah, for sure, son. And, you know, not only do we as believers – um, have the benefit of God giving a sanctified reason to the Holy Spirit to, to listen to how God would have us respond to this conflict. But we also have the whole element of uh, our spiritual adversary, the devil, who is always working to try to stir up conflict, stir up fights, stir up emotional, you know, disputes. And, you know, I suppose, Son, if we were to try to imagine, you know, what might have been going on in the, the boardroom, so to speak, of any of these um, evil beings, you know, leading into Christmas, coming toward the end of this uh, just very uh, stressful year of challenges and people being, you know, kind of locked down, you know, so many places. I mean, in those places where family mem- members were able to come together, let's say, even from different states or, you know, haven't seen one another in a while, you can almost hear you know, in these boardrooms, you know, these kind of plotting, okay, now, you know, where do we have some very um, passionate uh, political uh, feelings and differences in this group? How could we perhaps try to stir up those passions into a discussion uh, here at Christmas? How could we exploit that against these people who, um, you know, we, we, the last thing we want them doing is thinking about the Savior's birth and, and why he came. The last thing we want them to have is a peaceful, happy family reunion. What can we do to maybe try to interject some ideas, some political thoughts, some political controversy? Um, you know, how could we maybe get the person who's like on one end of the spectrum and the other end of the spectrum, how could we get those uh, comments out onto the table so that people start to feel um, you know, like there's a real battle here in the room and so forth. But, you know, you can almost just see how the enemy is always plotting, whether it's using a political situation, whether it's using, um, you know, uh, a challenge in marriage where maybe the number of hours being worked is, is a lot and there's weariness and then there's maybe money problems. And, there's you know, so the enemy's always looking for ways, isn't he, son, to cause conflict? to cause heartache, 
to bring division. Um, uh, you know, it, it's one thing if Christian or, you know, I should say if human beings divide over the gospel, um, I mean, there will always be that necessary division. You know, he, he, the Lord himself said, you know, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And, and in case, and, and for those who don't understand what he meant there, what he's saying is, um, there can be no spiritual peace between people uh, in a biological family or anywhere. If you're not on the same page with, about who Jesus is, you can love other people um, who don't accept Christ, but there will be no peace, no spiritual unity. Um, and and ultimately, when they stand before Jesus, you know, on Judgment Day, they're not going to hear the same thing that believers hear. You know, when, when the Lord talks about the angels separating people, you know, like the sheep from the goats, um, you know, there is no you know, there is no lasting spiritual peace between those symbolized by sheep and those symbolized by goats. Uh, believers and unbelievers. Uh, but but in terms of, uh, let's say, a family gathering or a work environment or a church environment um, or, or just a marriage, let's say, uh, or maybe relationships among siblings or co-workers, um, neighbors, uh, think how many you know conflicts there have been between neighbors where the enemy has stirred up emotions. Well, you know, you're doing this in my yard or you've got, you know, you, 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 you know, whatever. I mean, hundreds of situations. And and uh, so we just have to be on our guard. You know, the Bible says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And uh, even those of us on who've been on this earth for a number of decades, I mean, um, you know, we, we never can let our guard down because conflict can be just around the corner. And how we respond, how we choose to respond, especially in the heat, in the heat of, a, of a moment, of a passionate um, you know, difference of, of opinion or maybe an attack, a verbal attack, maybe an email or something on social media, uh, it flares up so quickly and we need the Lord. Uh, you know, that ninth thing listed there, son, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, uh, self-control. And when self is not under the control of, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when self is not under the control of the Holy Spirit, um, we are capable, son, uh, I mean, we, we know what James says about the, the power of the tongue. I mean, we are capable of just stirring up um, no shortage of, of hurt, pain, conflict, um, emotion. So we, we, we need to really ask God to help us to be uh, peacemakers, to speak gently to one another, and then to get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. And God will help. He, he, he loves to um, help us get rid of those things. You know, a lot of people like to uh, turn to the Ten Commandments, you know, whether you're a believer or not, especially people that maybe aren't so much of a believer. Um, you know, they like to look right. to the Ten Commandments as a way to kind of guide their lives. I know uh, Dennis Prager, a uh, longtime conservative commentator, has uh, he's Jewish. He's written books about the, uh, you know, the Old Testament and some of them, I mean, about the Ten Commandments, you know, in the Old Testament. And it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to see just how much of an influence the Ten Commandments, you know, have on people's lives on how they go about using the Ten Commandments as kind of like a code or a standard by which to live life. And again, it's a, it's an Old Testament, you know, Ten Commandments. But then when you take a look at the, the, the New Testament, it's almost like, like you said, the fruit of the Spirit is almost like the New Commandments or maybe some additional commandments. Cause when you start to look at the way the, you know, the fruit of the spirits are, you know, talk about love. You talk about joy. You talk about peace. You talk about, you know, depending on your, uh, your version, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. 
you know, and so you start looking at some of these things and if you compare them to forgiveness, you know, is there love and not forgiving? Is your joy there if you hold grudges? Are you going to have peace, whether inner peace or outer peace, if you continue to have conflict? And, and, and if there's conflict, can you resolve it on your end so that you give yourself peace? Is there going to be a gentleness or goodness to your approach to the person? You know, are you going to have faith that, you know, maybe God can intervene and take it out of our hands? So as you go through these and you start to kind of correlate them with how it is when it comes to just like the topic we're talking about, but insert any topic, insert anything, your witness towards your neighbor to helping somebody out. You know, in LA, one of the biggest things that one of the problems I have is driving down, you know, the freeways of Los Angeles and traffic is out of control and people are cutting me off. And, you know, these people that are driving their Priuses who can't drive with a lick or should, should have their yeah. driver's license revoked. You know, I'm sitting there, you know, flipping them off and, you know, because they're doing all kinds of crazy things and endangering my life. I'm thinking, you know, but then it's like, am I showing any fruits of the spirit by behaving in such fashion? No, I'm not. Sure. And so you can sure, insert so. any topic and you would and when you kind of compare it to just these, yeah. uh, yes. you know, it does make a difference and it can demonstrate and show and kind of point to us much like the Ten Commandments did in the Old Testament on, on how right. we're living, on how we should be living. And it kind of gives us a simplified, you know, one through whatever um, number of things that we can compare ourselves to to see if we are in compliance of what God wants us to do and how we should be living our lives and yeah. are we conducting yeah. ourselves in a manner especially in this instance or in that instance are we going about it in the manner that is godly as we like you said as we look through this sanctified reason looking at things through a biblical perspective are we comparing ourselves to the fruits of the spirit and how do we add up and that kind of gives us a, a tangible because a lot of times you know people will say oh the bible there's nothing tangible about it that helps me you know i got to believe in a spirit that's out there and i just got to have faith there's nothing tangible well if you're showing you know love towards somebody you know that's a tangible way to see how you're living if you are showing you know meekness towards somebody or you're having patience with somebody you know these are some tangible ways that we can kind of then compare ourselves to biblical standards and are we living our lives accordingly? And so it's sometimes it's, it's easily just to kind of throw out there, oh, the fruits of the spirit. But there really is a lot of correlation between how we live our lives and how well we represent these things that are in Galatians. Yeah, that, that is very true, Son. I mean, it, it shows up all the time, as you say. I mean, um, you know, we can hardly go five minutes, it seems, in the Christian life, especially if you're like, say, in the workplace or you're, like you said, on the freeway. I mean, anytime you get people together, um, there's going to be situations that are, you know, just ripe with, with potential conflict and differences. And, and if we don't have a calmness in our hearts from the Lord and, and, you know, sometimes people talk about, son, you know, how important it is to just live in the moment. You know, sometimes we get out of the moment. We, um, we just kind of start going what feels right, you know, but we're not really focus as, as a Christian, let's say, on our on our surroundings and the witness that we're going to be. And then something like, you know, nothing can happen maybe more quickly than maybe somebody cutting somebody off in, in uh, on the freeway. So that's a great example you give. And there are many other examples, though, of that also uh, show how quickly uh, a situation can, can escalate in our, in our mind, in our emotions, and in the spiritual realm. Because after all, Son, you know, the enemy, our adversary, the devil, uh, they've been doing this for thousands of years. They they know what makes people tick. 
they're able to pick up on, you know, uh, each one of us and our weaknesses. Um, and, 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 you know, people often tell you their weakness. Oh, well, you know, I just have a short temper or, um, you know, I just have a problem with this or that. Well, I mean, it doesn't mean you're, you're worse than anybody else, but boy, I mean, that's going to be an area the enemy's going to really try to attack and, and use against you because son, anytime we get into, um, an area, especially if it is, let's say a weakness and, and we, it just really, uh, bothers us or, or gets us upset uh, to a large degree or, 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 or out of sorts, let's say, um, you know, that's what the enemy wants. He doesn't want there to be a calmness. Uh, you know, when the disciples were on the boat with Jesus and the storm uh, came up and the wind and the waves and everything, um, they got all frantic. What was Jesus doing? He was sleeping. You know, he was calm. He was in control. Um, they weren't. And when we start to get out of control um, verbally or mentally, um, when we start to just lose our bearings, um, and then, you know, if we start opening our mouth and saying things that we'll regret or, or typing something, you know, on social media that we'll regret or an email or, you know, whatever, um, these, these are things the enemy looks for. And, uh, and, and so my goodness, Simon, you just think about all the harm, uh, all the vitriol, all the anger that's been spewed on the internet, um, you know, in, in, uh, you know, just a discussion uh, comment section or, or you know, on Facebook or wherever. And it's just, it gets so, it can get so ugly. Um, but that's human nature. Um, our hearts can get very ugly. Um, and t- at times they do. Um, that's why we need a Savior. That's why we need Christ uh, to forgive us and to make us compassionate rather than angry. To make us gentle rather than bitter. To make us forgiving rather than just holding grudges. So, um, yeah, it's going to, these challenges are going to continue for all of us, son, including all of us who know the Lord. It's going to continue in, in uh, 2021. And, and boy, do we need prayer. I mean, every day and we need the word. And the more we can meditate on the word of God, you know, memorizing Bible verses is a great way to, uh, to deal with, um, you know, uh, just the, the stress and the pressure of, of conflict or wrongs that were done to you. And, and, uh, we need that armor of God. We need to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power because Satan's trying to take every one of us down. So we need one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to help one another because there'll be a day when, when one of us will be very, very weak and we're going to need some others to build us up. And then, and then uh, on the time when they're weak and then we get to build them up. So, um, yeah, we, we, we have to stick together. Um, we have to be united um, in our approach and as much as possible, because like, like you pointed out earlier, I mean, sometimes it's just not going to get resolved. I mean, you know, you got to have both parties willing to do that. And if one isn't, then, you know, all you can do is what God leads you to do and keep praying for that person. And maybe you won't talk to him anymore, but um, keep praying for him. And, and, uh, God will bring other people into your life that you can invest that time with and, and, and those conversations and, and even more prayers because, uh, at the end of the day, son, it's about how many people we're able to help, you know, lead to the Savior, pray into the kingdom, uh, and bring it, bring along on this, on this incredible journey that we're on, uh, to heaven one day. And in the meantime, uh, there are plenty of pitfalls along the way and Satan's working to uh, planting all these landmines out in front of us, you know, but, um, Lord, help me to avoid the landmines and, and, um, and just to, to, to keep walking in peace and in love uh, by your grace. And so that's, that's what we're, that's what we're trying to do, isn't it? 
You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, you know, there's this montage out there, forgive and forget. You forgive somebody yeah. and you forget about it. And I was always of the, the school of thought that you don't forget, you don't hold yeah. it against them if you've forgiven right. them, but you don't forget because that's how we learn. So, for example, right. if somebody does you harm or, I mean, does something wrong yeah. to you, I mean, take anything, yeah. let's say lying to you. So they lie to you and you find out it's a lie. Okay, so you forgive them. But yeah. then you maybe don't forget about it because then it becomes, let's say they become a pattern of lying. Now you're starting to realize that, okay, this person has a pattern of lying or maybe there's someone yeah. that's cheating on you. And so then you might forgive them, but maybe don't forget because it's like you, you can't forget what they've done. You don't hold it against them and hold the grudge and all that, right. but it's, it's something that you learn right. from because then you can, you know, like you say in the workplace, if there is a coworker that is uh, cheating or maybe stealing your work or, you know, plagiarizing in the academic world, whatever the case may be, you start to learn that then the pattern of behavior well, can yeah. can teach you or, or or show you what type of person that you're dealing with, which then right. will uh, make you kind of adjust how you deal with that person. Yeah. You know, so if someone's continually yeah. cheating on you or saying bad things about you, gossiping, whatever the case may be, yeah, you know, you might forgive them, but you're not forget going to just forget because if you no. do forget, then what are you going to do? Just keep being, you know, the victim over and over and over again? Or it's at some point, right. are you learning that, you know what, I need to just stay away from this person. I need to not invest in them. I need to maybe, you know, right. not give them the right. information that they're seeking right. because right. they might use it, you know, steal it, whatever. So that's the thing yeah. that I always find kind of fascinating is people are quick to say, forgive and forget. Well, it's like, no, yeah. forgive, yeah. learn from it, don't hold the grudge, but you're never forgetting right. because you're going to learn from that, and that's going to dictate maybe how in the future yes. these people yes. are going to, you know, interact in your life, which then could lead Absolutely. you to, you know, how to how to deal with them in a better situation. Absolutely, Son. You know, I think of like two examples in Scripture that aren't exactly maybe directly what you're saying, but very much related to what you're saying in terms of, um, you know, you, you don't just keep beating your head up against uh, the wall uh, because there'll be other places that God will use you. You know, um, uh, you know, you know, one of those places is where, where Jesus said, you know, to his disciples, you know, don't throw your pearls before the swine. Now, um, you know, on one hand, Jesus looked even at those Roman executioners and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You know, he, he, he ate with tax collectors and, and, and prostitutes and, and, you know, all the people the world said are, are, are these sinners, uh, you know, bigger sinners than everybody else. So we want to misunderstand what Jesus said about don't throw your pearls before the swine. But, but basically, um, what the Lord seemed to be wanting to get across is that, you know, you, you can share the gospel with folks that, you know, show no interest. And, and, and the Lord may lead you to develop a relationship with somebody over decades. And, and, and if so, then by all means, keep reaching out to them and praying for them. Don't give up and believe them that they'll, that they'll be saved, okay? But there'll be some people that, um, and you used the word, Son, a moment ago about investing, investing your time, um, you know, There'll be some people that are just not going to be a wise investment any longer because of what they've shown. Um, and, and you're going to have a, a peace in your spirit about now kind of investing that time, you know, elsewhere. You know, we're not to hate those individuals. Uh, we're not to condemn them. You know, we're not their judge. But, but it doesn't mean that maybe because of some things that they've done that we can um, trust them. You know, I mean, and let's face it. I mean, there's some people that you're maybe never again going to trust. Um, that's not a sin, you know, it, you know, nowhere in the Bible does the Lord say, you know, um, trust one another. <laughs> I mean, in, in, in fact, um, I, you know, I, I think it was said by Oswald Chambers very well about the Lord. He said, you know, um, the Lord, 
uh, was never suspicious of anyone, but he trusted no man, or he entrusted himself to no man. I mean, the Lord knew what was in a man, Oswald Chambers said. I mean, you know, the Bible says all men are liars. You know, I mean, all individuals are capable of sin. So um, you you can only go so far with someone that you can't trust um, because they've shown themselves to be untrustworthy. Now, maybe that'll change. Maybe they'll become trustworthy at some point in the future. But, but you can't force yourself to trust someone, nor do you have to. Um, so don't throw your pros before the swine. You know, I don't trust that they're going to... Um, have any interest in this gospel message that I'm sharing, and, and so um, I need to go to some more fertile soil. Um, you know, Jesus said something similar. Um, again, we're talking obviously New Testament here. You know, you go into a city, they reject you, dust, you know, shake the dust off your feet and move on. That doesn't sound very loving unless you understand that the Lord is interested in, in reaching people, um, not just in banging your head up against those who reject you, refuse you, want nothing to do with you. Okay, uh, don't hate them, don't condemn them, but you know, if they've shown that they have no interest, um, in some cases, you might feel led to invest your whole life there. Okay, great. I mean, some missionaries have done that, son. They've gone to a place and they've been rejected over and over and over and over again, but finally, um, there has been some fruit that has come from their decades of service to a people that they knew God called them to. So again, we have to follow the Holy Spirit. It, it, it all depends on whether he's leading us to continue ministering to uh, a certain, let's say, family member, co-worker, neighbor, friend. Uh, but we always are to be witnesses. And um, and I think you said it well, Son, about how, um, you know, yes, we forgive. But, but there are certain things that you remember about certain people. And so you don't forget that. So you can maybe be more effective next time or spend your time next time with someone else. That's not a sin. You know, it's not a sin to say, okay, I mean, hey, I'm not going to get anywhere here with this individual. Um, but we have to be careful when we do that, that we don't do so in anger or holding a grudge. Because sometimes we, you know, we, we, we walk away from that situation. Well, I'll never have anything to do with them again. But we don't realize maybe that in our own heart, we're holding a little bit of a grudge. And no, um, we probably won't ever get anywhere with them again. But maybe we haven't um, closed that loop fully in the sense of, we need to pray it through until we can sincerely be free of, of, of hard feelings toward what, they, uh, what they've done to us. And one way, Son, that we know that we've kind of closed that loop, or God has, is, is, by, is by the fact that, you know, we, we're not thinking about them with this, this achy hurt in our heart. Um, or if their name does come up, we don't have this, this hard feeling about them still. And if we have that, then we haven't prayed it through enough yet. We need to, we need to finish that thing because, um, yes, you can move on, you know, uh, but, um, but no, you need to pray it through. And, and in a day, the last thing I'll say, son, in a day when, you know, it's become so convenient to just, you know, rush into a divorce, um, you know, God can heal marriages. God heals marriages. God heals wounded hearts. And it's so critical uh, for a husband and wife to do everything they can to mend the fences. I mean, my wife and I were blessed here a week ago to, you know, celebrate our 30th anniversary, but I don't care who you are, what believer you are. Um, you know, marriage is going to take work. It's going to take forgiveness. Um, there are going to be times in many, many marriages where they may seem like all is lost, but, but with God on our side, I mean, don't give up my friend. I mean, keep praying for your spouse. Um, don't throw in the towel. Because if you think, well, that's the easy way out, you'll come to find out, no, it's not. That'll just open up a whole other can of worms in your life, in their life. And again, I'm not saying that, you know, 
you're going to be committing some unforgivable sin. What I'm saying is, um, you know, there are consequences to our choices. And, and, uh, and there's a reason why the Bible says God hates divorce and, and why God doesn't want there to be divorce. And uh, sometimes even when someone's had a biblical grounds, you know, which would either be unfaithfulness on their part of their spouse or desertion, even then God has healed many marriages where, where the spouse said, you know what? I mean, hey, God, help me to forgive. I, I'm going to love my spouse all the way to the end. And, and God has turned it around and, and, and made their marriage stronger, happier, more peaceful than it ever was before, even after something, you know, devastating occurred. So, so if that can happen in a marriage between the uh, two people who that's the closest earthly relationships on, then it can happen between other believers and other people. And, uh, but, but we need God to help us because uh, it's so easy to get bitter. It's so easy to just think the other person's completely the place, never me, you know, and so, you know, Lord help us, uh, so that we, uh, we, we see them the way Christ sees them and, and that we don't condemn, but rather, uh, we seek to be peacemakers and forgiving and compassionate. Well, like MC Hammer said or sang or rapped, we've got to pray just to make it today. Dan yeah, Dezel, Yep. Dan Delzell, we thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. 2020 was quite the year. We look forward to uh, to see what uh, 2021 has to bring and look forward to uh, more conversations like this as we enter the new year. Amen, son. I sure look forward to that as well. So appreciate your friendship and your ministry there. Uh, it's sanctified reason. And so, uh, yeah, I'm really uh, I'm ready for a new year in whatever direction the Lord leads you in our discussions, and I can't wait. Uh, Dan Dozell, author at the ChristianPost.com. You can go to ChristianPost.com and just type in his name and articles come up. You can read more about what he is uh, talking about. And then also he is a pastor at Redeemer Church in Papillion, Nebraska. And you can find them on Facebook. Uh, my name's Son Edom. You can find me on Instagram at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.